Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Spurs show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello, good evening, and welcome to a very, very special Spurs show. This is Spurs show live, live from the Albany on Great Portland Street. Today in London, we're meant to be snowed in, but we're here, we brave the weather, we're here uh, to chat to a, a man we're delighted to join us. Firstly, joining me tonight is my co-host, Mr. Theo Delaney. Hello again. And secondly, it was lovely, because we had his uh, central def- uh, defensive partner here on this stage only last month. A man who played o- over 200 times for Tottenham. Uh, seven goals, I think, for the first team. He was there 1976 all the way through to 1987, winning off the top of my head now two FA Cups and a UEFA Cup medal. Yeah, Mr. Paul Miller. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's uh, lovely that you come down, be with us. It was 10 goals, actually. Oh, was it 10? <laughs> I only remember seven. And it was also about another 90 cup games. I think they, they seem to forget that there's a, there was also a cup yeah. and goals in the cup nowadays. And obviously, one of them was quite valuable. So, yeah. it was, you know... I was, was, it, I, I, I was surprised I got 10, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but they, I know because Paul Coit reads it out every week at Spurs, so I actually know, we all know all our stats nowadays. Yeah, yeah you can't miss them. Yeah. But Sorry, there must be someone at home. I don't know. Who is it that she sits down and goes played that one did they get old programs or well who works out all the stats works out oh you know the old stuff not like current because we can all see those yeah. who then looks back in the old goes, days with a fella called Les Yates who was right. a marvellous statistician and he was there at the club for well, forever and he could rattle off anything oh, you know, really? he was, he was, a, he was a, you'd want him on mastermind on your yeah. side yeah on Tottenham Hotspur he knew everything about it he was a lovely man he was also involved in the programme in those days but right. just today just to tell you the people all you hear that, and we got 13 statisticians at Spurs. Really? Who work at the training ground. Right. 13? Is that all 13. the sort of opta... 
They're all under 30 years old. Right. All, all these like, whiz kids, you know, whatever. And um, I don't think it's unusual. I think a lot of clubs have got them. And, and, and Mauricio and, he, and, he, and his staff are very much into stats. Right. Mm. And when, they, I mean, I, I, when we had the uh, launch of the, uh, the film at the lane yeah. uh, the other week at BT a few months back, I spoke with um, Jesus, the coach, and he said, I was said about Delhi and, Delhi and Ericsson were playing poorly. You know, they weren't, they weren't up to the last season standard, which mm-hmm. is very high, obviously. I said, had a little bit of an off. He said, yeah, he said, but you know, he said, they're both running more now than they did the same time last year, and they're doing more sprints as well. Wow. And you know he's right. You yeah. know, if you wanted to, he'll get a piece of paper out. He'll show you, exactly yeah. prove it. Yeah. How many he's got. So they, they, do, they have a lot on that. And also when uh, Ozzy goes and has a cup of coffee with Mauricio before every game, hour and a half before every game, Mauricio says to Ozzy, uh, well, okay, what's the team today? And Ozzy <laughs> has to say, well, I think most of us would get nine anyway, wouldn't we, generally? But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Ozzy goes, well, 10 or 11. He goes, he won't get 11 today. Does Ozzy put the Soko in? So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Steady. So um, Ozzy will say, like, well, no, I'll get the 11. No, you won't get 11. And Ozzy knows, because... So he gets the tease, and he'll say, no, no, Ericsson's not playing. Well, why? He's injured? No, he said, but yesterday in training, he didn't look right. I looked at him. He didn't look okay. Mm. Mauricio puts a lot on body language and how mm. they are, they run, whatever. Yeah. So when he leaves players out, it's not always because mm-hmm. they... Whatever, it's something not right with them. Yeah. And he, he'll put them on the bench or leave them out altogether. Uh, so he, he really is a person who looks at the body language and everything else, and... Uh, Probably different to most, and it, like they're all like his sons, and you can see that when they, you know, they cuddle each other and whatever. That's not false, by the way. Yeah. Mm. You know, and when they, when he cuddles, I mean, he means it. I think it's uh, Mourinho first started, and has gone a million miles away from that now. Have you, did, I don't know, have you read the book that came out that Gwyneth Balaguer read? Have I haven't. I know a lot of it around him anyway. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, but it's interesting. You, you picked up on that that it's not just stats and how they're playing there's, there's one story there's only, only one that when, and we've had Gwydam on, on the show and he wouldn't tell us who it was there was, there was two players vying for one position one league game the season was written and all him Petopchinos uh, and his sort of you know coaches are there and one of the players went to the canteen and just ordered himself a big bowl of lasagna and that <laughs> yeah. was like he's not playing he's, he's not out, playing yeah, yeah. and that's how he did it it's all yeah. just these little yeah, things yeah he's always watching I think also if you, if you listen to the players they say that Mauricio and his staff miss nothing. Mm. I mean, they're called, we nicknamed them the Four Stooges, and those are old enough remember that they were, the comedians. And what they do, they're there at 8 o'clock every morning, 10 to 8. There's a battle, actually, who gets in first, Daniel Levy or them. And they all stay <laughs> till 6 o'clock. As you said, you don't know what they do all day. Mm. But they obviously watch videos, they, look, they talk about stats, they look players, and they study every player. And if you speak to, you hear Eric Dyer talk, whatever, they know everything we're doing. Mm. They never take their eyes off us. Mm. Obviously, every, every training session is filmed. Yeah. Uh, they wear the, uh, the, the, um, the heart thing they wear the, uh, how much you run yeah. so you know you ain't like the old days you have a night out and try and hide in training you <laughs> you've know, got no chance no chance hole. nowadays yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you only run seven kilometres in training day what's the matter where you been last night no, I'm saying that none of them drink anymore I mean they don't, yeah, you know, exactly. we, had, we, had a, we had a proper team spirit Do they, I mean they go and go out you know yeah. well they can't go out it's, it's, very, yeah. it's, very, yeah. it's very difficult for them yeah, it's yeah. true. Anyway, okay, I'll let you start with the. No, it's fine. It's fascinating that you've been it down. It is fascinating. And, 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 and seen it all, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about the present team a little bit later on. But going back to your career, um, obviously, you, you grew up in East London and played um, sort of, you know, youth football in East London. When did you know and what age were you when you kind of heard? The, the, the club may, may be interested in, 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 in bringing, on your, bringing you on board? I think we have to start earlier than that. Um, yeah, East End boy, um, Whitechapel Hospital, um, East End, uh, two ways out, sport and crime. Um, my school, Morpeth Secondary, was football and fighting. Lucky I liked that. I got on with it, mm. enjoyed it. 
Um, I thought what do you I, prefer, fighting or football? Uh, <laughs> I think I took it on the, on the pitch after. I didn't mind. I didn't mind whatever it was, really. Yeah. Um, uh, which is not always to your, to your de- detriment, actually. Um, but uh, I started playing youth football. Mm. I played for a, a boys' club called Semrev, which, which, which uh, yeah. produced a lot of players uh, mm. during that time and afterwards. Um, East London. Were you playing defended there, or were you in a different position? I was playing midfield, sort of midfield, right. and and I got to about thirteen, so I went back. But I went to Chelsea when I was eleven. I was there for two and a half years um, at their academy because Chelsea give us all the kit. That's why a lot of the boys went there. Um, Growing up, who could be, be in East End? Were you were West Ham for you? No, no. no. Um, I quite liked Chelsea because they were different. They were Kings Road, and I always said to my mum, "You, you picked up the wrong baby." I was really born to rich parents, not poor parents. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I never had a bath till I was ten. I'm, I'm telling the truth. <laughs> uh, you know, two two rooms. I, uh, my brother took nine years to come along because I slept in the same room as my mum and dad. We only had two rooms anyway, so no wonder it took so long. <laughs> but uh, you know, outside toilets and uh, that's how that's how the East End was. I, I grew up in a very tough time. The East End was a was a, a hard place. Mm. A rough place, but it was, it was a loving place. It was a family place. We all lived local to each other, the family. We had no money, but then no one had any money, so mm. it didn't, you know, it didn't matter. Um, and then, uh, so I played football, liked it. Um, played for the district in the county, but sort of thirteen. Um, Chelsea had a problem with their stand and sold Osgood and Hudson. And even then, I was into money. I don't know why. I, mean, I work in finance today, and I thought to myself. This club are selling their best players. There's something wrong with it. They built mm. that East Stand Chelsea and it had made them gone bankrupt. A bit like we did with our East Stand, actually, mm. later on in life. Um, but I thought, you know, and, all, and obviously those days it was different. There was no mobiles, so the scouts would come to all your matches, representative matches, and they would, they would obviously, you know, uh, get into my mum and dad, who were very... My dad was very quiet and uh, unassuming and mum a bit more, but not really. It was always up to me. So you'd, you'd, often, you'd often get... Uh, uh, phone calls at home and knock on the door from a scout who'd come in and then invite me and have a, you'd fight these strangers and have a cup of tea. So at the time, um, and I've told this story um, to, uh, to Trevor Brookin a few times when he remembers, um, is that one day I was, I was, I was uh, home from school, I was going to go training somewhere, I forget where it was. I, was, I ended up training at about four clubs, uh, West Ham, Arsenal, Tottenham and Crystal Palace, every, a different day every, every, every oh. week because I was make, not sure which one was you know, going to be right for me. And uh, they were good, good coaches as well. So uh, one day, I knock on the door. It's about quarter past four. And I make myself a bit of tea and toast. Mum's at work, dad at work, both at work. And there's a, there's a guy standing there with a raincoat on. Now, you know, where I come from, I know what a copper looks like, yeah? <laughs> I, know, I know a copper from 100 yards and was told, you know, you never speak to policemen. You don't say anything to policemen. You know, it's very easy uh, to talk you ain't as trouble, let alone talk your way out of it, yeah? And I saw this guy standing there. I went, yeah, what do you want? He went, uh, your mum and dad there? I said, no, they're out. What do you want? So he said, uh, it's Paul, isn't it? I said, yeah, who are you? What do you want? And I think, I'm, I think, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, what about, I ain't done nothing wrong. I don't do anything wrong, you know? I, I play football all the time. He said, uh, sorry, he said, yeah, sorry, you can, you can see the boots. And I said, yeah, you're a copper. He said, yes. He said, uh, he said here's my card, though. Here's my other, other role. And he gave me a card, and on it had Tottenham Hotspur representative. Yeah. And, uh, and his, his, his name was Brookin. Harry Brookin. I said, but you're, you're a policeman. He said, yeah, but that's, I do part-time. I'm, I'm a part-time scout. I work with Bill Nickerson or whoever. I said, you may recognise the surnames. I said, Brookin. He said, that's my son, Trevor. I said, oh, right, okay. Oh, really? So I said, do you want to come in and have a cup of tea? So I invited him in. Wow. I made him a cup of tea. He stayed about half hour until my mum and dad came home. My mum came home first. I went training and left him there with my mum. It's quite, <laughs> it's quite surreal, really. Yeah. 
and anyway, he said to, he, he invited us to the uh, following week to go to watch an FA Cup match. Never forget, it was it would have been January then, and uh, he said, "Come and have some dinner, have some uh, lunch." We had lunch in the um, the uh, corner pin, right? Um, which was the only place you have lunch. There was no restaurants at the club then; it was there was non-existent, no corporate. And we went into the ground and we drew one-one. It was a crap game. And I said to my dad, "I said oh, I've got a chance here." Because <laughs> they're rubbish. What year is this? Seventy-four. <laughs> seventy. This is seventy-three. Seventy-three. We weren't that bad, by the right. way. But you know, and um, what in the league cup that year? Yeah. I went to the final. I got. Right. They gave me two tickets. Um, my then and I, and uh, so I watched and, and I went to training and um, and I was still doing the other clubs, by the way, because mm. you're playing one against the other. Get, I've, got, I've got more boots at home than in, in you know in Adidas. You know, it was I had all the boots and trainers and track suits and gear. My, my, my uncle and my aunt, everyone had everyone had track suits and trainers in my family, <laughs> um, as long as they were my size. Um, and uh, so we finished up. We 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 went. Um, no, so right, yes. So my first night at the club, I, got, I must tell you. So I, when I first met Bill Nick and, and Eddie Bailey. I went, it was, it was a power cuts, the, the three-day week. Oh, yeah. Right. So I thought, I've heard this club are tight, but they've got candles everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm looking at Bill Nick, and they're, you know, they're, they're preaching and talking, whatever. And I've heard it all before, people, Mal- Malcolm Allison and Bertie Mee, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, who else is there? Um, uh, Bobby Campbell, who was the youth coach then of Arsenal. Right. Um, so, you know, oh, sorry, Ron Greenwood and, and, and uh, uh, um, his assistant, Johnny Lowell, who were great, great guys. So... I speaked to him, so he said, we well, go and have a look at the, uh, you know, go and look at the gymnasium and, you know, have a look, look around. And I'm going to the gym, all of a sudden, there's the ball court, upper ball court, lower ball court, they're all training. Ron Henry and Pat Welton and Peter Shreves are training the, the, the youngsters. How fast did I come out, my dad? We didn't train, we went straight home, got, so we got the 149 and 253 bus on. So I said, my dad and I, I said, that must be some club, they've got electric. No one's got electric. It's a parker. The whole country's black and yet they've got electric. They must have power. They must have an into the, into the local council. I didn't know what a generator was in those days, did I? Yeah. Eh? What did I know about generators? But that's what they had. They had their own generator. So they could, we could train. I found it amazing. And, and obviously, so I ended up going in the gym and it was, and it was obviously there, Chrissy Uton, Mark Falco, Glenn Hoddle. So it was already a start of some of the great players of the future. And uh, I, I went there and, and Ron Henry, who Nick made me maxi, by the way, Right. Um, he gave me that nickname early on. It's stuck, and today it's anyone ever knows me. Uh, certainly in football, it calls me that. Mm. Uh, and uh, and I fell in love with the club, and, and I signed. So, mm. but to ask me who I supported, really, I didn't support anyone. Yeah. I could, you know, living, I lived, and then you can Google it now. I lived three miles from West Ham, three and a half from Arsenal, and four from Tottenham. Mm. And obviously, Orient and Millwall didn't count. You know, mm-hmm. unless you're born there, you don't support Millwall, do you? So um, <laughs> that was why, and so Tottenham was my local team as such, really, and I, and I was I was delighted to sign for him. Yeah, and when you sort of joined the team, and, and you know, you know, uh, probably signed up. Oh, got some something going with the lights here. Um, you know, Spurs were kind of you talk about those years. The first team were kind of in a sort of transition. It was the, the team that was sort of hanging to stay up and all that. Who, when you went in the club, who were the sort of Presumably they, they signed you as a defender now. You were yeah. playing more as a defender. Who were the, the players in the first team then who were um, in your position? Well, the great thing was, in our early training sessions, uh, Mike England used to take the defenders training. Well, right, I didn't okay. realise that him and Johnny Pratt, Tony Want, were doing their coaching badges. And so right. they were taking the kids to gain experience. But I thought, I'd come home again. I said, Mum, Dad, God, oh, I've got the first team players taking the training sessions. Amazing, you know? And I'd, I'd been, done a bit with Chelsea with some right. of the boys, but not like this. So... Um, 
We, we then had, a, we had that 74, which wasn't bad, the UEFA Cup final. But in 75, the club started to disintegrate. Mm. Obviously, Bill got sacked, uh, which is no surprise. I think you know, he put the pressure on himself at the end of the day and he hadn't replaced the players. And one of the reasons I signed for Spurs was because I thought it was an ageing yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. In actual fact, Bobby Moore told me to sign for Spurs. Bobby, really? I love Bobby Moore. He's one of my heroes in life. And the other one's Sinatra, by the way. Very lucky to have met both of them and had a chat with them. But Bobby was a family friend and um, uh, I... He told me to sign for Spurs because he wished he'd had, he had it done uh, in his early days. And he came close. Well, he did in 1968, yeah, and Ron yeah. Greenwood Whitham signed, and, and mm. uh, that was he was that was one of his, uh, you know the, the sad facts of his life. He said, "Go and sign for Tottenham Arsenal because you can always go to the one the others after," mm. and that was the right advice. So Bobby did that, and uh, you know I was never never ever uh, mistaken. It was it wasn't a great great uh, thing to do. Mm. But so so in the next couple of years they get rid of Bill. We signed an Arsenal man, Terry Neal, mm. which is full of blarney anyway, Terry. Um, so I leave school then, right. um, 1975. And then uh, he don't last too long, obviously. And we're, we're, we're a poor side now. We, become, you know, we haven't replaced. Mm. Um, we've got Pat in goal and Stevie Perriman and not a lot else, really. Mm. Pratty was not doing bad, but we didn't have a lot of good players. Mm. <clears throat> and we couldn't score a goal mm. for fun. Um, and with that, uh, then George, uh, sorry, Terry left. And Keith took over, mm. which is a surprise to a lot of people, really, because Keith hadn't, hadn't coached before, hadn't managed before. Well, you know, reserves, under-23s, what, what, what team are you playing? I, I'm playing team? now in, in, the, uh, in the reserves. Well, reserve yeah, team. I mean, we had a fantastic reserve mm. team, by the way. Yeah. You know, it was, well, I think, seven, eight of us made it, mm. which, is, which is quite surreal for... Who was one of the reserve team, then? Who was the... Uh, Peter Shreves. Shreves was one yeah, of Shreves took us right. youth team reserves. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously, we're all there knocking on Keith's door, yeah? So who's in that reserve team? Is Glenn Hoddle in it? Uh, Glenn had started playing in, yeah. I yeah, played with Glenn in the team as well. He's two bit, years older than Glenn. Yeah, two years yeah. Um, But I mean, um, Mark Kendall used to die, unfortunately, yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. <clears throat> Chrissy Uton and myself, Terry Boyle, who went, to, uh, went on to play for Palace and then mm. Newport and uh, Cardiff. Um, uh, Gary Brook, Mickey Hazard, yeah. a guy called Stuart Bevan, who went to Oxford. Yeah. Um, Mark Falco. Um, so we, you know we had we had quite a few. So it was it was it was a good youth team. And mm. after that, Gary O'Reilly sort of as well yeah. who came in later. Mm. But uh, that, I mean that was an, and Glenn had already made that, that yeah, thing. transition. So, yeah. I mean if you look at the cup final teams, you know seven of the twelve were homegrowns. Mm. Yeah. Stevie Perrin was already there. Yeah? yeah. Yeah. And we used to have a training session. London read the rest. There was you know the rest didn't have any. Didn't, had, to, had to borrow a few of the youth and make up the numbers. Yeah. We were all Londoners, you know, or, you know from the south, which helped. Before you broke into the first team, it's very, very. I mean, you wouldn't hear about this now. You, you were sent. I think it was seventy-eight. You were sent to Norway yeah. for a season. How did yeah. that come about? And what was that like for, for a young, you know, well, a, a young yeah, player? What happened? We were breaking all records in the youth team because also in the reserves. Sorry, you know when we had we had a decent, decent, decent first team, if you like, but we had got then got relegated. But we had a, a strong reserve team because if you didn't play, you weren't twelfth. Uh, when the start bench or 13th man you played in reserves so our reserve team was unbelievable we had Neil McNabb playing for us mm. often you know and we broke all records won 32 games 33 games on the trot in the combination from the start of the season and we, as you imagine we pissed the league I think by February or March a bit like Man City are going to do in the, in the soon yeah mm. um, but we I was knocking on his door constantly Keith every Friday why not playing why not playing he said well you ain't ready yet you know normal stuff from Keith I can't do his accent but he, he's the most dour chap in the world Keith as you know um, but he was honest. So, in the end, I said, 
a few of my mates, uh, people like Alan Brazil and others, uh, Alan's a great friend of mine, they were going to America to play, to gain some experience and really do the running for all the, all the superstars that were over there. So I thought, I'll have some of that and a bit of a holiday, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I, I fancy going to the States, never been. And Steve Perriman said, well, you can ask, why don't we go to the States and get, you know, have, have a break, four months over there. Bobby had told me, Bobby Moore had been, you know, he was mm-hmm. over there and doing it. Steve said, why don't you go, why don't you go to Norway? He said... <laughs> It'd be do, you know, it'd be do your football a lot better and uh, you, you come back a better person as well, you know, and play. Uh, so I didn't yeah, know Norway yeah, played in the summer. a business in Norway. Yeah, you're not having shops there oh, afterwards, yeah. Right, yeah. But, I mean, I didn't know Norway played in the summer. Of course, if you realise Sweden and Norway got to play in the summer, they can't yeah. play in the winter, can right. they? There was no such thing as heated pitches then, you know. Um, so uh, I went with we, we a, we a friend, Lars Uglund, Uglund Shipping, who was on the FA committee. And he, I went over there to, for a weekend to play with a team who just got promoted called Shide in Oslo. And so I knew everything was double the price there. So Steve said, ask for everything double the price. And obviously I lived at home. I was spoilt rotten. Mm. I said, he said, you know, you want, your, you want to get your food and your cleaning done or whatever. So I went over there and, and organised them. And, and they, I think they quite like it, what I was doing, talking. They didn't have anyone who could talk at the back or whatever. And uh, afterwards, I, I negotiated this great contract. And, you know, lovely, lovely um, little bungalow uh, near Homokollam. That's a ski jump in Oslo. Uh, car. You know, cleaner three times a week. And how old are you at this stage? Do you remember? Uh, I'm just 18. 18, Just amazing. 18, yeah. And also, uh, one of the directors at a restaurant, so I ate his restaurant every day. I could have lunch or dinner <laughs> there. Yeah? So I didn't do any cooking, obviously. So uh, I went there. We finished third in the league, qualified for the Cup. I was named wow. European Player of the Year. And I, I, and I learned to speak Norwegian because it was strictly amateur in those days. Right. I, I had to go to college because I, I, what did I do in the day? I couldn't do anything. Actually, so I went back to school. I, remember, I didn't go to school a lot, trust me. <laughs> I left school at sort of 13-ish, you know? Yeah. My school wasn't too clever that way. So it was good for me to go back and, and learn again, if you like. And, and I kept making them uh, snack and noise, talk Norwegian to me, so I did. And uh, came back, so Keith came back. So the first words he said to me, well, I'm not, I'm not paying you anything like you got over there, by the way, <laughs> which you'd expect from Keith. I said, no. Uh, I had to sign a... Uh, uh, disclaim when I come back, I would, you know, that I wouldn't go back and I'd come back to Spurs before I went because I had to be officially become an amateur. It's amazing, really. Yeah. And I came back and I said, right, if I don't play in your first team um, in a new year, I'm going to go back to Norway. And by then, I want to double my money and everything else, yeah? Mm. And uh, he said, okay, he said, but I'm not sure you're going to get in the team. I said, I'll, sh- I'll show you. Anyway, this is the first year back in the Premier League, uh, first, first division, mm. sorry. Ozzy and Rick had signed, but in Aussie, as Ozzy would sell you, if he knew how crap we were, he would never have come. Yeah, he has sold us that, um, yeah. You know, <laughs> he didn't know, no one told him we just got promotion, yeah. by the way. He thought he was yeah. joining a big club <laughs> who, who we've been challenging, yeah? yeah. So, I don't think he regrets it now. But um, I came back and uh, uh, I knocked on his door every Friday, driving mad. And then uh, one, one day, I was, I've been in the squad a few times, mm. you know, carrying the skip and doing, make, pouring the tea out, whatever. Uh, being Stevie Perriman's lucky, actually, to be fair, which you're pleased to do when you're young. Mm. And, and then uh, we, got, we were playing Arsenal away, and we, we weren't playing well, and we were up and down. We, were gonna, we weren't going to go down, but, you know, we were up. So he, so he called us into we had a team meeting with tea and toast in the old stand in, in, a, in a little place there. And uh, he said, right, making a couple of changes from last Saturday. He said... Um, I can I swear you? Good, yeah. absolutely. This is a um, podcast. Um, he mm. said, Maxi, you've been driving me fucking mad for the last year <laughs> about how good you are and what you can do, he said. So you're playing tonight. So <laughs> talk about wanting to try and give me some confidence. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I think maybe, I don't know if he was that clever, but, you know, I'm, you know imagine I said, I'll show you. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'll show you. Yeah. So I made my debut at Highbury, you know, 63,000, um, playing wow. against a good Arsenal side at the mm. time, by the yeah. way, a lot better than we were. 
Um, Pat Jennings has an unbelievable game. He, he stops 4-1 against ones, Peter Taylor, Ricky Villa. We slaughter Arsenal and then get beat last minute. Bain, Dainty comes for a cross, oh, misses it, and Frank Stay wears it in. I think it was the end. And then the kick all night from me, or he had a kick, few kicks from me, but not, yeah. not at the ball. Yeah. Um, and that was it, but sort of got yeah. in then, and, 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 and that was it. I stayed in. And, yeah. um, and then gradually he then started putting the other youngsters in. Uh, yeah. grad- Tony Galvin. It's another homegrown, I forgot, mm. sort of where we bought it from non-league. Mm. I mean, Rob, cap- we count them as homegrowns, really, because yeah, yeah, yeah. we made them players. And t- Tony came in, Chrissy Uton came in, Mark came in, and, and then Robbo came in a little while after that. Yeah. And obviously, in the final piece of jigsaw, we bought Archie and Crooksy, who could score goals. Yeah. Mm. And the final, final piece of jigsaw, we bought Clem. Yeah. So yeah. it's funny, we get rid of Pat, we give him away because yeah, of politics. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and three goalkeepers late and a lot of money late. And we, have to, we end up buying someone for three, four, five times what we sell Pat for, yeah. uh, you know, who is very similar to Pat, by the way. Yeah? And Ray Clements is a wonderful goalkeeper. Yeah. And changed their club, actually. Changed their mental attitude and made us more winners. Because yeah. he'd already won it all, right? Yeah. yeah. So he knew, he, knew, he knew what to do, didn't he? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Clem was, uh, Clem's always been a winner. Yeah. He's had cancer for 14 years, still fighting it, still, yeah. still, he's using his character, he's, he's a wonderful, wonderful person, one of my best friends in life, and uh, he, he's got a great attitude, and you know exactly why he's done what he's done, because yeah. uh, of the way he is, and he came to us, and he had that winning attitude. Well, the first thing he said to us, he said, you were not drinking enough, we don't go out enough, we don't go out more. Really? Yeah, we said okay. No. I mean, of course, me and Hod didn't make, take us too long. Yeah. I shared yeah. a ro- I shared a room with Glenn, by the way, for seven years. So we yeah. said, yeah, we're up for it. Yeah, I think sometimes we took it overboard, but you know, yeah. it was a drinking culture in those days. All yeah. the clubs drank, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's that, what that's what made us feared, feared in Europe. And that spirit, that team spirit, that togetherness is what he's talking about, isn't it? And he's obviously he'd been part of that at Liverpool. Absolutely, and you can't actually beat that, can you? And that's what that's what we hope we, we think we see in this modern team. It's interesting you say they don't drink yeah. now because the whole game's changed, but they do seem to have that same togetherness. They and seem maybe to love for the first time now. since because yes. it's the first, it's the greatest team since your team. Yes. Isn't yeah. it? I agree, and I think today you know I, they don't cuddle and, and don't laugh so much in training because they because because the cameras are there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, knew, yeah. I know, I know uh, Harry gets on great with uh, Ericsson, and obviously Delhi and uh, Dyer. Uh, one of my best yeah. mates and yet you yeah. know, look, at, look at the background of both and one comes from a private school Lisbon uh, you know mum's uh, you know his, uh, his granddad was Ted Croker yeah yeah That's he was right. the FA yes. uh, yeah. secretary his way yeah, lived yeah. in Portugal he was brought up in Portugal because his mum yeah. got a job with Yafer. yeah right. and you've got Delhi you know sent to an institution at three yeah adopted at 13 yeah I mean, you know, I mean, mm. the, the other way, yeah? yeah, yeah. Mixed-race kid growing up in Milton Keynes. Yeah. Probably a fight every day, yeah? yeah. Like the East End years ago, really. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and to, to serve them to be so close, and, mm. and you know, because you, it's opposite to track, isn't it? Yeah. Probably yeah. me and Glenn as well. We, did, we, we weren't together, never spoke about football. Yeah. Really? I won't tell what else you spoke about. But was Glenn, we, uh, Glenn, was he a bit of a tearaway? Was he, he liked, a, liked a few beers and everything, did he? Glenn loved a few bits, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was so obviously cultured, he was on this different level. You didn't, you didn't really well, think of him like that. Well, he's a bit shy, Glenn, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. hello, boy. Wonderful talent. I mean, mm. yeah, great, the greatest player our club's ever yes, produced. Absolutely, so yeah. Without a doubt. And you yeah. don't care who you are. Yeah. I've got a story about two about that later when we talk about the uh, finale. But, yeah. but Glenn, no, I remember one, the one thing. We, um, one Thursday, we, we, we drew two and lost one. It was like a crisis. I was like, ah. Oh. We had a meeting about a meeting, and on the Thursday we had a meeting. Um, no, on the um, Friday, Friday morning we had a meeting. So Keith, for all his wisdom, says, uh, "I hear some of you boys have been going out on a Thursday night." Yeah, we always go out on a Thursday night. Yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> so he said, "Well, like, it's a stop. We're going to stop now." So it was quite. So all of a sudden, Glenn said, "I've been going out with my mates in Arlo since I was 14 on a Thursday night for a few pints." 
It's never affected me. Why should I change? And by the way, I'm going to carry on going out on a Thursday night. <laughs> so, so Keith goes, well, you can't. I'm saying you can't. You said, well, I am. Now, by the way, you know, one of our best players, yeah? So now we're looking at Keith again. Go on in. Your, your shout, yeah? Luckily, Shreve's your steps. Keith, I think we need this, uh, this guy out Thursday night. So let's, let's all go out and train. I think it's, we've been in here too long. And he ushered us all out because obviously Glenn yeah. was not going to step down. He wasn't yeah? going to lose. And you know that from Glenn. And when we, when first, one of the first times we played with Glenn in the, in the London Youth Cup final, I mean, I was two years younger than Glenn, exactly the same month we were born. Uh, we played against, um, I think, Ipswich, good Ipswich side in those days as well, with Brazil and, Matt and uh, Gates and all the other, yeah. Walkie and uh, whatever. Mark? Uh, no, no, youth team. Oh, youth right, team. okay. But they still had Osman and, uh, yeah. sorry, Bud Butcher and uh, Burley, and, yeah, you know, yeah. good side. Yeah. So, uh, Glenn, why is that, wanted his shirt out. So, I think he just, oh, he had a little bit of a tummy, not that he did, but he always liked his shirt outside. Yeah, always, shorts. Yeah. I don't forget, Keith came in the dressing room and said, and Pete Shreve's the youth coach, he said that, Glenn, I'll suck your shirt in. Or worse to that effect. And Glenn went, I'm not, I don't want to shuck in. So, man, Keith's having a go at it with our best player, you know, up past seven, right? We're kicking off in ten, two and quarter an hour. We're all looking, Keith, go out, go back out of the room. Don't upset Glenn, yeah? So you knew that Glenn had that in his character, yeah? Yeah. And by the way, he didn't never tuck his shirt in. No, and never, ever. And by the way, the way he played, he could do what he wanted, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Play, play, play it's great stop. to hear that about Glenn because that's an insight about Glenn because Glenn's so he's so relaxed and nice. He's but he's been he's, he's been on the show a couple of times and brilliant and and, yeah. and the side that we've seen is is what you've described. Yeah, it's very different to his persona now on TV as a pundit. Yeah, he's very straight and serious. But yeah. he's not as you know. He's he's not when you just sort of meet him and hang out with him. It's very very different. I think. Yeah, I think and I think the television thing it makes you be a bit different. You've got to be careful what you say yeah, and uh, yeah. you know you and um, You're measured. Glenn's probably overcritical with Spurs as well at times mm. because I don't know why, but he, I just think he felt let down a little bit. He thought he could have, you know, he, let's get it right. He managed our club when we were shit. Yeah. He, he had no money to spend, no yeah. budget. Yeah. Know, sugar ruined us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Glenn managed a bad time. And so he'll be really envious yeah. of Mauricio now. Yeah. As Aussie is as well, mm. in, a, in a nice way, not that yeah, he yeah. you know, that, you know, wish I'd have had that money to spend. Yeah, yeah. Wish I'd have had a new stadium mm. and the yeah. training facility, which is the, you know, one of the best in the world, yeah? Yeah. So, you know, it's. Uh, it's a difficult one, and um, mm. it, you've also got to be honest on there. Yeah. As Gary never was Sunday, I quite like Oh, that. yeah, we were talking about that. Earlier. Well, then we're going to talk about, you know, fascinating with the background, we're going to talk about the glory years that, that Paul saw at Spurs after this very, very short break. The Spurs show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. And we're back after that break. We talked on, uh, Paul, we, uh, you, you came in very briefly as we were recording it. On last week's show, our guests Theo Delaney, Brian Levinson, Stephen Pollard, we were talking about the team now that we're probably saying that Toby Alderweireld and Vertonghen probably our best defensive partnership and, and where they've got other, other defenders working in a unit since, I, 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 I say, since you and Graham Roberts. Graham was on the show last month. What was it? Why do you think, looking back, why do you think you and Graham clicked so well as a defense, defensive partnership? Well, to be honest, it, it sort of happened, just happened. I mean, Graham had been a... Uh, I didn't realise Graham had played for Portsmouth in the youth mm. team. He actually missed a penalty against us in the FA Youth Cup, uh, youth Cup quarter-final. He reminded us all. Apparently, before he went to take it, I said, you're going to fucking miss it. And he did. <laughs> um, so he always didn't bring it up. But, he you know, Graham, Graham was a centre-forward. 
right. moved back a bit and then eventually moved back. So when he plays, play, play left back, he's in his debut for us. Uh, and, uh, and one of the great games I saw him play, we, we played QPR in the FA Cup replay the, the first year we won it. Yeah. He played left back. I've never seen a right winger called Barry Silk, but he, he must have broke the high jump record that night. I know Barry. He, he would, yeah, I know Barry. Well, <laughs> he would not go near Graham. It was hilarious. Um, but I mean, so I think what happened is that, is that uh, Keith was trying to play people with me, really. Right. And, uh, you know, Jimmy Holmes, Steve Perriman, yes. John Lacey, and it just wasn't quite working. And, and he wanted to fit Graham in, and obviously Chrissy came in and wasn't going to never going to leave the space. Mm. Um, Stevie had started to play right back and, and, and do really well, and obviously mm. link up with Glenn, which became a, yeah. a wonderful part of our, our, our game. Um, and so I think we just try something in training. And obviously, Rob had the same sort of aptitude as I did. You know, if, if, it, if it moves, kick it, and thou shall not pass, yeah? Mm. Um, and you could do it in those days. Mm. And I think, uh, you know, obviously, myself and Steve were big talkers, and Rob was more of a G-up man, and Chrissy didn't say a word. Chrissy didn't have to. He was a Rolls-Royce, so he didn't have to say mm. anything. Um, he was the only one who could run as well, about the four of us. <laughs> uh, proper run, I mean, yeah? Um, so we just played together. We worked on it. We, we did the drill. And if you ever speak to George Graham, he'd tell you, yeah, you've got to drill, drill, drill. You know, you've got to work non-stop. You know, got time on the ball, drop off. Uh, sorry, then if you've got the head down, hold the line, the ball goes back, you move up with it. It's just the three simple principles of, of, of defensive play. If you ever stick to them, you never, you never will get caught off, everyone get caught offside. Mm. So you'll, you'll catch everyone offside, but you won't get caught yourself. Mm. And that's what players don't learn so much, I think, nowadays. They, they, they hold a the line when you should never, when you've got good players on the ball with time on the ball in midfield you can't hold a line you've got to drop off as they'll kill you mm. forward and make this good run and they'll, they'll beat you so we just did that we did it for a long while I think you know and you remember those days most, most teams had two, two uh, strikers yeah, so you know people say who's the best player you played against well you played against two mm. so you played against uh, Andy Graham Graham Sharp that was a good that was, forget the ball get on with the game by the way that was a great and uh, Big Cyril, God bless him, that's and Gary Thompson. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, Stapleton and Sunderland, uh, yeah. Lou Macari, Joe Jordan, two nasty Scots, but Joe Jordan, one of the nicest men you could yeah. ever meet. Put him on a football pitch with his teeth out, that's a complete animal, yeah? yeah. But lovely guy. Um, so there were lots of good stro- yeah. pairs, Darglish and Rush being the, the best two yeah. we ever played against. Fantastic pair. Uh, and so we were, you know, and the centre halves were a pair. And so you, you got, you know, we just, we just, we hit something off, we knew it, how it was, and. We could look at each other and push up. The camera was like a sixth yeah, sense, sense watching sense, the terraces. Yeah. You could see, like, I'll go, you hold back. And it was just... Yeah, and, and you know, and I mean, obviously, I don't think... I don't think I'm not saying we, 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 uh, we, we slaughtered everyone every week, but I don't think anyone ever enjoyed playing against us, mm. which is a compliment. Mm. You know, and uh, I think, you know, we did a lot of clean sheets. I think when we played together, I don't know what the stats are. Maybe you'll find out one day, but I know we won a lot more than we lost. Mm. Well, obviously, because we won. Disappointed didn't win the league, probably in 82 and 85, yeah. which we should have done. Injuries done us and whatever. Um, should have won the League Cup if we far chased that ball in the last minute, you know. Um, but lots of things, you know, Europe, Barcelona kicked us out of Europe. I mean, you can't, you, that, you, people would laugh at you say that now, yeah? Yeah, but they were you know, dirty, They right? did, they did. Yeah. I mean, Real Madrid, when, you know, the forgotten goal, Mark's great header, yeah? No one near him, he gives us side. Mm. Definitely took bang, bung. Definitely took a bung. We know that the Real Madrid and the big clubs did that in those mm. days because mm. referees have come up and owned up. And if you look, if you ever see that goal, goal again, Mark heads the ball, I hit a free kick, 50 yards. Mark heads it in from the edge of the box. No one's near him. Yeah. The referee disallowed it. Yeah. He ain't fouled anyone, he ain't offside. Yeah. So, but, you know, if, the, if you imagine a referee in those days who was getting 200 quid plus expenses, sees a five grand envelope and a, yeah. and a lady of the night in his room, he's going to yeah. make a decision next day that could change the game. And he did. He made that decision, and we don't go through, they do, yeah? Yeah, we're the better side. But these are the regrets, right? You're, and it's typical, because you're a competitive 
footballer and you're, you're a sportsman, you want to win, but you haven't even mentioned, I mean, you put it into context now, the amount of trophies we've won in the last 20, 30 years. You, you won the 1981 FA Cup final, right? The 1982 FA Cup final and the 1984 UEFA Cup. Mm. You were in all those teams. And, and also to put it into context. And, sorry, but I was just going to mention that that goal that you scored well, in, cup, that, yeah, in that UEFA that. Cup final. But you put it into context as Spurs fans. You know, 14, 15, one. We hadn't won anything. Well, we hadn't won the FA Cup yeah. since 1960. It was 14 years. It felt like years. we were coming off a... It felt like... Yeah. It was a whole, like, almost as a kid, like a generational thing. Yeah. Obviously, now it's been 20, maybe 30 years. Well, also, whatever. it wasn't easy because we won it three times in the 60s. Yeah. So, for Spurs fans, we, won, you know, we didn't it's win... It's supposed it. to be a cup team mm. and hadn't won it for ages. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about, if, if you want, the, the Wolves and the, the, the two semi-finals and the two finals. Was there any games in that run-up, third, fourth, fifth round, quarter-final, they kind of stick out for you. Did the sort of players think, we're going to do this? Was this sort well, of... I, well, I think the, really, the big thing is, we, you know, we, we, draw the, we draw at QPR, we could easily have got beaten last mm-hmm. Monday to beat the bar. Um, and then we play, we play uh, you know, the, it's the last eight quarter-final. There's eight clubs in the draw, there's seven first-division teams and one third-division team. We get the third-division team at home. Yeah. You think, oh, yeah, we've got a chance here, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You definitely think you've got a chance, you know. Yeah. Fate, maybe fate's with us. We win 2 0. Me and Robbo scored, actually. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Archie, forgive me, I pushed him out of the way. Just, <laughs> after uh, keeper saved the huddle free kick, yeah. smashed it in from two yards, dead <laughs> from two yards. Um, but no, I think, you know, and, and in the great semi final, you know, at Hillsborough with Wolves, we're good Wolves side. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Clive, DeBook, Clive DeBook Thomas, you know, he That's gives right. a penalty. Hoddle tackle and then tackle was on Hibbert. T- yeah, Terry Hibbert goes over. It was Terry, not Kevin. Kenny. Kenny, 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 he was a lovely yeah. guy, Kenny. Kenny dives over Glenn, he gives a penalty, last minute. Yeah. And we threw and then he'd take it away and the extra time was not easy. And mm. uh, we win and then... F- and but in re- hindsight, it was worth it oh, for that wonderful replay. I mean, I'm sure everyone has ever... Looking back. Everyone said, who was ever, I'm sure you've said, but the replay at Highbury. Yeah. How can it be at Highbury? Yeah. You know? And I'll never forget, so 60-odd thousand there and, they, and, and obviously Wolves, you know, the Midlands, they, you know, they ain't got too much money up there and I suppose they probably had 15,000, oh, if that, 12. They, they, we, had, we had a good 50,000 there. They had, the clock, they had half the clock end from yeah. memory. And half I, I think, you know, and I mean, you know, Crooksy was like a Graham, wasn't he, that night? Glenn hits yeah. him with two spectacular back spin balls and mm. only could Glenn could do it. Crooksy rattles him and then Ricky smashes that one in with half mm. out to go and we're looking at each other going, we're going to Wembley. When you're, half, you're winning 3-0 with half out to go, by the way, it's like Men's City Sunday, you know you're going to win, yeah? Mm. And for us, it was a cut and We could feel the vibrations on the pitch. I think, I think uh, the fans are trying to smash the stadium down. They were like, they were, I mean, the place was jumping and, and, and without doubt, and without doubt, and I played, you know, Newcastle. Players as well. It was, it's the best atmosphere I've ever experienced yeah. in my life. There's never been no, a night like the Highbury semi-final. Yeah, re- I agree. And I replay that was that was unique, and uh, and we've had some good nights, haven't we? Let's get yeah. right. But that that was night. that was just fantastic. And I think doing it there as well was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. we've had um, mentioned Colock Glenn and Graham and many teams, many um, people from, from that team. Looking back, that first game against Manchester City, which we were lucky to get away with. Why don't you think we showed up in that game? Was there anything in the build-up at all? In hindsight, if you can remember. Why don't you think we played particularly well in that first no, one? I, th- I think give, give Man City their due. I mean, by the way, they, if you, uh, uh, Aussie's reminded me of the stats. You know, they didn't have too many shots. We had more shots than them. Um, Joe Corrigan made some good saves. Mm. I think the big thing, Glenn Aussie didn't play. Ricky obviously did, didn't turn mm. up. Uh, Glenn Aussie found it difficult. They did a great marking job on them from midfield, Paul Power and Jerry Gow. And, um, you know, we didn't actually perform. You know, it was a wet day um, mm. and... Uh, 
it was, you know, it was, obviously we had a bit of fortune with Glenn's goal, which came off Tommy Hutchinson. Um, you know, I mean, they scored with arguably, you know, the only shot they had. I mean, I don't think Miller Lex had a shot to save. You know, it was it was a midfield battle. It was, it was quite a dour game. If I, yeah. if, I, if I remember rightly, I, I've never seen it again. But I mean, I, I know it was quite dour. Um, I think both teams defensively played well, uh, but not a lot of chances created. What was said during the week? Because the, the, the semi-final was on Thursday, wasn't it? What was it? I think the no, replay was on Thursday. Yeah. What was said amongst the players and, 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 and Keith and Peter to sort of? Well, I think we, we felt we felt that we, we were lucky to go back because of the own goal. We, you know, we'd been one down, not looking good. Not lucky, but we were fortunate. And I think everyone realised, I mean, especially at the, uh, the, uh, the, the party that night, we had a bit of uh, do at the Hilton. And we said, look, you know, we, we can only play better. They can't play mm-hmm. any better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and surely, and then Ricky can't play any worse, yeah? So we, it must be a bad night. And also the sun came out on the Thursday evening. We fancied it big time on, yeah. on the Thursday. I think we just felt we can't play that bad again at Wembley mm-hmm. as, as a team. And uh, I think it was just a different attitude. Not that the first one was we weren't nervous, you know, we the same build up, everything else, there's nothing to change. Um, you know, but in saying that, well, your first, your first cup final was quite daunting, you know, because you, yeah. it's a big, it's not the crowd so much, but, you know, meeting the Queen Mum and mm, all the yeah. things that go with it, Top of the Pops and Blue Peter, yeah. and, you know, the songs <laughs> and everything else. So it's a big build up, it's a yeah. massive build up. In those days, it was yeah. about three and a half weeks, yeah? Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, you, it's every little boy's dream. I some all the you know more older ones are in the room. I mean, you know, the cup finals is why you played football. Mm. You know, you watched the cup final, you went out in the street and kicked a ball against the wall, yeah. and we your mates emulating the teams you just watched. It might not have been Tottenham with anyone emulating the teams you just watched in the cup final. That's why you go. That's why you become a footballer mm. to play in a cup final. Mm. Um, that's the FA Cup final, which is the oldest, biggest, you know, most traditional. So um, you know, it was it was a great. Chance, opportunity to go back, and uh, and back we did. And uh, you know, Ricky was on his game. Yeah. Did you expect him not to get picked? Yeah, I mean, uh, we didn't want him to be picked. I think the team, the team, had dis- you know, you walked off the pitch and way he did it and refer, but you know, you mm. could dislike Ricky. He's a lovely guy. And and Steve said to Keith on the Saturday night at the, the, the dinner, I, "You're not picking him, are you?" And he went, "Yeah, I've just told him he's playing." Now, when you look, whatever you think about Berkey, that was an inspired piece yeah. of management. Yeah. You know, it could have gone the other way. Yeah. So he went, all right, fair enough. I mean, we didn't, you know, we knew he was a good player. We could see him, yeah. we, you know, and we really didn't have anyone else to come in and play his position. Brooks, mm. he was sub who could play, but, you know, really, we didn't have, a, we didn't have another Ricky mm. who could play in the hole yeah. and destroy teams when he was on his, mm. on his day. So, you know, it was the same again, and <clears throat> this time we, we'll do all right, yeah. That was the sort of, you know, the 81, the 82 side we talked about. You touched on it, many of us here and, and listening at home remember those things. Why do you think, and I know you've already touched on injuries, which all sort of teams get, why do you think we kind of fell short, especially this following season, 82, I think we finished second or third? Well, first of all, we had, we, had, we had one of the worst winters. and we, I mean, I think in January we played two games. Well, I can't remember. We, I mean, terrible, terrible time. And, uh, you know, so it was a fixture pile-up anyway. Uh, we played either 71 or 72 games that season. I don't think we ever played more, yeah? Mm. Steve Perriman played every one, by the way. Um, wow. You know, because we'd gone after four trophies. But, you know, in, the, in, in all the... Listen, you're trained on shit pitches. You're playing on shit pitches. The ball's heavy. We're, we're, you know, unlike today, you actually do tackle each other, yeah? Mm. And you whack each other. It's like World War Three out there, yeah? You know, we're gladiators going at it, yeah? There was no easy games. Um, and so, you know, a lot of injuries were picked up and 
I mean, I mean, there was three of us played in, in, in the cup final, including myself, with, with, with injections to play. Of course, you'd do it again to play. Mm. Everyone would have an injection to play, but, you know, that had, had an after effect. And also, during the season, I mean, coming towards the end, you know, we, we, was, we were struggling to put teams out. Mm. I, I don't know the exact figure, maybe Robbo Hotel, but we had 18 games in the, it, 45 days. It's something mm. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Playing four times a week. Yeah. You know, and, and, but what I'm saying is, and remember, we drink... Uh, I'm not saying our diets were diets were good, but you know the pitches are crap, and of course the biggest thing of all, we got nowhere near the medical mm. side of what's today. I mean, we've got 19 medical staff at the club, mm. 19. You know, of all the things that go with that. I mean, let's get it right. Scanning machines, you know, scan. It was a scan. Mm. You know, it was. You know, I, I'm sure it will play with broken bones at times. Mm. Uh, I know that I did a youth team player. I, I played three games with a broken ankle. So they sent him up to the hospital eventually. Yeah, mm. you're soft as shit. They kept saying, "I said I'm not. Trust me, I'm not." And then I went to the hospital. I got a crack in my ankle. Yeah? Mm. yeah. So you know, it was it was a different it was a different uh, time, and, and we were unlucky with injuries. We just and the way we played as well, we probably probably caught more injuries because of, you know we had more individuals. Mm. But it, it, I think that that definitely started. Eighty two was a great time, and. Yeah. Um, Maybe we should have won it then. 85 was even better, probably. You talk about, I don't remember that, the Everton game. You, yeah. you know, you talk about um, different times. Going into Europe now, so you had sort of, you, you already mentioned the, the Barcelona and Real Madrid things. What, what sort of memories have you had? Because again, I don't know whether you were given a videotape during the week. What did you know about, when, especially when you went to the away games, what do you know about some of these sides and showing up, especially in like Eastern Europe then, behind the Iron Curtain? Showing this place, any memories well, you've got? To be fair, to be fair with us, we were so positive, so about ourselves. Let's give one story uh, uh, about Exeter. I'll go back. I'll mm. go, go back to something. So we're going to get drawn against Exeter, and Bill Nick had come back to the club as a, as a, as a sort of part-time scout, mm. and you know, rightly so, to do whatever he wanted. So he'd been to watch Exeter play, and, we, and on the on the Friday before the game, it got Bill in to give us a, like a, t- a talk about the Exeter team he's seen. So he rattles on through this team. And, and he gets near, he gets, as he gets towards the end, and he, it's, it's 25 minutes, a good at least half hour. Ozzy said, Bill, we're playing fucking Real Madrid. They were so good in Bill's mind. Mm. We're playing against a team in the third division. Yeah. Granted, they were the top of the third division, but yeah, we, you know, he totally over exaggerated yeah. how good they were. Yeah. We said, Bill, we're playing against us. They're shitting themselves. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're, you're doing this at your peril. And what I'm saying was, is that <laughs> it was always about us. How yeah. we were going to play. Yeah. So, okay, we're going to push on from the start. We're going to drop off. We're going to let them have the ball. Yeah. We decided where it was, really. I mean, our first European match was Ajax away, home and away, one of the great European teams. And we knew they'd play, sort of thing. But we said, right, uh, we played them away first. We said, right, we drop off, let them have the ball. Because obviously we had Ozzy and Ricky as well who'd played in the World yeah. Cup. We had Steve Perriman who played in Europe quite a lot yeah. extensively in the early 70s. So he said, let them have the ball. They can't score in the era enough. It was a different game. So we just dropped off. They couldn't, they were playing their pass. All of a sudden we had a bit of pace, space and we, yeah. we beat them 3-1 in the first league. It could have been 6-1. Fantastic. Europe was made for us because yeah. we had players and the way we were and whatever. And we had that, but still was in this as well, yeah? And uh, so, you know, we, did we, did we, yeah, of course we had them watched and I mean, Shreves, you come and say to me and Robbo, like, okay, the two up front ain't bad. I mean, for example, uh, when we won the um, UEFA Cup, the, uh, the semi-final against Hedgic Split, he said, I mean, in the team talk, even in Dressham, me and Robbo having a nervous pee. You, you pee about eight times in the last <laughs> hour when you play football. It's amazing. You've already, you've already been to, you've already had a shit three times. You've got nothing inside you, but you actually pee a lot. You're drinking tea, you're drinking whatever you're drinking. 
And and you so and it's I think nervous as well is getting yeah. So we haven't been rubbing the pee and she usually comes up in the middle of a urinal and says to the service, "You're all right, we're, yeah, we're fine." And, and I'm, I'm I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm, a, I'm I was a big dressing room man, I was a big joker and whatever. But 20 minutes to go before the game, I'm I'm another animal, yeah. I didn't like the person I was when I played. I must admit, he wasn't not a nice person, and that would last till five o'clock, and then then I then I changed again, yeah. Mm. But she's come and said, uh, "Listen, lads," he said, "You know we got beat the first leg two one." Uh, unluckily, actually. And he said, look, as you know from the first leg, the two best players are two centre-forwards. They're both Yugoslav internationals, and one of them is the Yugoslav captain. They were good side Yugoslav in those days. You know, yeah. this is the whole, rather than split up now, yeah? So he said, but he said, uh, you know, right-hander early, early doors wouldn't go and miss, yeah? And I went, OK. <laughs> Keith would have had heart attack if he'd have said that, yeah? So, of course, he said to me and Robbo, it's like red rag with a ball, yeah? And I'll never forget, I think the centre forward mis- miscontrolled one and Robbo smashed him up in the air and I, I think I, I, I volleyed him after. He, he, he went off after about half hour and, of course, Mickey scores yeah. and the game's won. Their best player's gone off. Yeah, yeah. All I'm saying was is that we knew we, were play- we knew the certain individuals that I had and whatever, but do we, we worry about them? No, not at all. I mean, early on, you know, we played against uh, Carlos Rummenigge. It took me 20 minutes to kick him one night, yeah? I remember that game. Uh, I mean, he was a good player, right? Carlos, yeah? I, th- yeah? I think he kept laying it off on purpose. He knew, yeah, he knew, yeah, it, was, he knew it was going to come. Yeah. And he had a miscontrol, <laughs> and of course, I kicked the ball and kicked him in the bollocks at the same yeah. time, which is great, yeah? <laughs> So, um, he didn't run around much after that. That eight, uh, it's about now. That, that 84 winning team, you know, again... Obviously, you know, you famously scored in the, in the first leg of the final there, and we should pick another game we should have just won. People forget how decimated that team was, that 84 side, how many play, players are out. What was your memory of that? Though, what, I will say to, what I will say to the people who don't know it, the Youth Cup was the, was the old days Champions League. So we, we, won the, we won that trophy, and every team we beat won their domestic league that year. So if you imagine in those days, and even now... There's only four or five decent countries in Europe who actually are any good. So because of, the, of the, uh, the UEFA Cup, so in the, in the European Cup and the Cup Winners' Cup, you've only got five or six good, good teams, teams. Yeah. and the rest are, are very average. Yeah. In the UEFA Cup, you had three or four teams yeah, from those second, five second, third, teams. So you've now got 20, you've got yeah, 15 yeah. to 20 top sides. Yeah. We yeah. played Bayern Munich twice in the early rounds of, yeah, of yeah. Cups yeah. in the second round. No seeded. Mm. So what I'm saying, the UEFA Cup was the Champions League of the early days. Mm. And it was, there's three games more, and, and it was harder. Mm. So, you know, to win the UEFA Cup, everyone has said, oh, well, you won the UEFA Cup. Bit different how it is now, yeah? Mm. So all I'm saying was, we, you know, we had, we had a great start and we, everything else, and we play, and then players just kept dropping away. And in the end, I mean, you know, I mean, if you just said we're going to win a European trophy without, without three of our world-class players, and we had three, by the way, Clements, Ardelius, and Hoddle. You'd have all laughed, yeah? You'd have said impossible. Mm. You just said start the season, you're going to win the UEFA Cup, and in the last three rounds, you ain't going to have those three. Mm. Oh. Or, mm. By the way, I'd have said it was impossible as well mm. in our playing, yeah? And we did. Mm. And the players, you know, came in and done, like Mabsy and Gary Stevens came in and did it, um, did a great job. Um, and, you know, I think the good thing is that uh, myself and Robbo, the back four didn't change a lot, really, because Steve was playing midfield by then. Mm. Danny Thomas was right back. Mm. And, and Mark Falco and Archie up front um, didn't change. So that, that was a good thing, um, you know, a, a solidness. But midfield was well. And Tony Galvin, obviously, he was one of the finest mm. players. And, you know, yeah, you'll only hear, yeah. only hear great things from any of the players about Tony Galvin. He was unplayable. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable player. Was that, looking back, you played over 200 times at Tottenham. Was that, that night the greatest night you ever had at White Hart Lane? 
at White Lane. Yeah. Uh, yes and no. I, I quite enjoyed the uh, 5 0 Arsenal. I got to <laughs> I mean, 83. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that the was, 83. Got I mean, you've you got to remember this. Yes. I've got to remember this also, the, the, you right. know, just going back. Two games that got me into the first team, got all of us into the first team. You know, when we first got promotion, we lost 7 0 at Liverpool after about the first yes. five games. Yeah. And, then we, and then we got beat five at home by Arsenal on, on Boxing Day. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, Keith realised I've got to start putting some of these kids in because, mm. you know, the other, otherwise we go down mm. and we're not right. So, I, you know, I watched that 5 0 mm. game, which hurt like everybody else. Mm. And so, you know, to wait uh, five years later, mm. And destroy them and do it to Wonderful. them, and it could have been ten actually. Yeah. And I think I don't know if you know the team that day, but I think we had nine homegrowns yeah. out wow. of the twelve. Right, Gary Riley played. I mean, unbelievable. I, I think Steve mentioned it once to me. I, I mean, unbelievable how many Alan Brazil played and scored. By the way, just come yeah. to the club then. But Mark Falco scored most yeah, unbelievable goals. goals. Terry Gibson's like cross, let it come across yeah. and yeah. volleyed it in. A bit like the Bayern Munich one when he scored yeah. his Bayern Munich volley in the last minute. So. Yeah. All I'm saying was, for me, that was a great day for the club. Yeah. Uh, and me as well with my mates. I'd known yeah, since I was 12, 13, yeah? Nine uh, years. And, and the crowd as well. So uh, I think the Youth Cup was good. But the Arsenal game for yeah. me was lovely. <laughs> I, I loved that. I loved that. Yeah, amazing. Um, we've had, um, you know, we talked about the sort of 84 side. The, the, the 86 um, season has got a good story. Obviously, with Aussies. Te- not testament, it was his benefit match. The Maradona Di- you, game. You played the Di- Diego Maradona came to White Hart Lane on Greatest that wonderful ever, night. Yeah. Yeah. Greatest player that many people here can argue. Greatest player I've ever seen. What was your memories of that? Any, any, any interesting stories for that, that day with Maradona? Good night out and tramp after. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did Maradona go out with you all? He came out with me. Obviously, really? Yeah. Not, not all of us, just a few of us, yeah. Um, but... Uh, he was just, uh, he, was, he was, I mean, he was a king then, as you can imagine. And yeah. we're planning, and I don't think anyone ever went to the game. It was a great yeah. game. Because Inter, Inter Milan, Inter Milan would have kicked him because he just won Tool. the league with Napoli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they had the right <laughs> knee with him. Liam Brady played for Inter. Right, Inter. Yeah. Pat Jennings guested, actually, uh, for us, that for half a game, and yeah. Clem played half. Uh, but they go in the dressing beforehand, obviously, he wore Clive Allen's boots, that's quite well known. And he just—he was keeping the ball up and showing us tricks and whatever in the dressing room. In the dressing room, and I also—I I, I took a batch of programs over. Because we all wanted a program signed for yeah. everybody. I went, Diego, you got to sign him. Ozzy, tell him, got to sign yeah. him, because he can't go out after. Okay, so he signs the balls, and he's, as he's signing, he's keeping the ball up with his left foot. Oh, yeah, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic, yeah. And you know, and, and I mean, the only number Glenn's ever let anyone wear number ten, so it was—it was wonderful, and. Uh, I mean, he, he played. He, he still wears a shirt. He, he was at the, he was at Wembley um, a few months back. Yeah, yeah. Had a great picture right. taking the tunnel with him. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, and sorry, him and Harry Royal Box. No, but me, me Aussie. Oh, and, I and see. Grandma, sorry, yeah. uh, Steve says he had a great picture taken with Diego, and he, he's you know he's, he's a lovely man, and uh, yeah, so it was special, and uh, yeah, played with Diego, which is yeah. which is great because I know Messi and Ronaldo, but you know, you imagine Maradona today and George Best. Oh. They score from the halfway line every week, wouldn't they? I mean, you know, it's difficult to say. You can only be the best when you are the best. Yeah. It's very difficult to go back, like boxing and whatever. But all I'm saying is Diego would be a superstar today. Absolutely, yeah. And well, then the same as maybe Stanley Matthews and Tom Finney, you know, yeah. Yeah. other people, because it's a different goal. But, you, you know, you can only judge when. But Diego had, had unbelievable ability. Mm. 80, um, I mean, 87, when you, when you left the club, we've had, we've been so lucky we've had over the years... Jimmy Greaves, Graham Roberts, Glenn Hoddle, Mickey Hazard. We've had so many wonderful players like yourself at the club tell awful stories about how they were let go by the club and how badly treated they were 
by the club that we all love. What, what was your story when, 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 you, when you left? Was um, it as bad? Or, I think it's or been quite more public. I mean, David, who, you know, I get on with David, came to the club and I think he was, it was a bit out of his depth. You know, he'd been managing a, a, you know, a, a, a sort of a corner shot very well for a few years and he can't manage Harrods. And really, uh, it, it didn't work. He couldn't handle a lot of the players. We were very strong individuals, strong mm. personalities. We'd all been there, seen it and done it. And they wanted to change it. And I think right to change some of the things, but not all of us so quickly. And he got rid of mm. eight or nine players so quick without really replacing us. Lasted just over a year. And then when Terry came in, you know, the squad had been, you know, just just distorted really. Mm. And even the underbody, Norwich, the Norwich uh, benefited from it, didn't they? Mm. So you know, I don't really want to go back on it. I mean, I, um, I want to play. I, th- I mean, I had another two years left on my contract. I wanted to play. How old would you? How old was you? I was twenty-seven. So I was young. prime. I mean, Nothing. yeah. So was wow. Mark Falco. So was Graham Roberts. I mean, so many, Tony Galvin. I mean, so many of us. Were, I mean, Glenn left in the season, Clive Allen, because they didn't want to play for him. Um, you know, so it was, it was really quite sad how that happened. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, the chairman was Mr. Ego himself, loved himself. He was mm. chocolate, he'd eat himself, you know, and, uh, and, and, and everything else. So it just, it just, it just went. It, was, it, was, it took so long to build. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, the, it's like the parents thing, isn't it? you know, three generations to to make a business and one to lose it. Mm. And that's what happened. So um, it was sad, but I mean, I, then I went to Charlton and yeah. achieved an unbelievable thing of staying up with them, which is a miracle, probably individually, mm. an individual thing, the best thing I ever did. And the following season as well, keeping them in the first division was mm. a miracle. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, we had a great time and, and it was a special time and that's, that's why no one ever take that away from us. We enjoyed it so much and we were so close. Mm. And, uh, and it was a great time. And also, I think it was the last time ever the, we were that close to the fans. I think and no one ever got that close to the fans again. Yeah. We, you know, our, our mates were fans. We'd drink with them after and whatever. And uh, it was a very closeness, close tie, which is why we still get on well with all the, mm. the fans. Why well, the club employs so many of us to, to be there on a game, yeah, on a match day. Yeah. Because the fans love us. And obviously the ones in the, who's got a few quid are generally a bit older. Yeah. Very finally, on, on, on the day that... Um, to the back of the evening stanza that, that uh, if we don't get a, a sponsor for the new stadium, it's going to be called the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium until they get a sponsor. What was your memories? I know you were there for the very last game at White Hart Lane. Obviously, Theo here was behind the, 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 the way that the whole thing was directed and the, the show was put together. Well, looking back at that last game at White Hart Lane, your memories of White Hart Lane, what did that ground really mean to you? Well, well, for uh, I mean, you know, for, for a change. I mean, I mean, we've we've changed in the last few years. Daniel's done the most wonderful job, but you know, we've got we've gone back to having Aaron a bit of style, and that's because of Daniel and his wife Tracy. And uh, I, I thought the whole day was 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 done in, impeccably well. You know, I mean, you know, the forty five ex players there. You know, whatever you wanted, and it was there for you, eat and drink, and um, you know, the tyres and things. Um, uh, but, I mean, afterwards, I thought, I thought you know, the gospel singers and the, and, the, and, the, and the opera singer and the flags and everything else and no one going home. It was a great day. Obviously, it helped we won. Uh, but, I mean, on, going on the pitch after, you know, the rain that came down, even having to see through umbrellas, which I thought yeah. was a great touch. Uh, and then the rainbow at the end, I'm sure Daniel didn't order that. <laughs> um, was, was wonderful. But, I mean, and then a little lap of honour after, and, and myself, Hod, and uh, Ray Clements walking around the three of us, three musketeers, as we've been so many times. But Glenn and I were talking about youth cup matches. 
<laughs> and how we used to, you know, when you Is that were, what came out of your head? Uh, well, well, when you were kids, saying, do you remember, you know, Glenn, was, right. Glenn started, he said, do you remember we played the youth, you know, remember how much we'd look forward to, you play youth games at Chesant, the training ground, you only play a youth, you only play at the ground when you play a cup match, youth cup right. match, or, 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 or London youth cup match or South East County, it's cup, cup match, not South East County, sorry, youth cup match, and you'd play, so you might play there three, four times a year, right. so, you know, then he said, you remember the first few, few times we played here, wasn't it wonderful, you know, you get five, six thousand people, and you know, we'd played in front of crowds before because but, because you had as a schoolboy, but not to the ground, yeah? Mm. He said, yeah, wasn't it great? And uh, midweek games and you know, whatever, and uh, we're talking. So we got round near the tunnel. So it's funny, we are just talking about the youth game. We weren't talking about first team games at all. And Clem was listening and obviously giving, taking the piss, giving the stick, you know, two old bastards sort of thing. And, uh, and there, was a, there was a little line of um, academy boys who'd lined... You know, to the tunnel when we were walked out. So it was about ten of them standing, and one of them, Glenn, still had his umbrella, and he said to one of the boys, and he looking, he said, "Do you want this? Do you want this umbrella?" And he went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He said, "Go on, you can have it. You can have it. Go on, you take it." You know. So he obviously one of the youth players, and uh, I said, "Oi, you lot!" I said, "Do you know what this is?" And they're looking, and they ain't got a fucking clue. By the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? They have not got a clue who the three of us are, let alone you know the greatest player we've ever produced. I said, "Oi." I said, if any of you lot are half as good as him, you'll be superstars. You hear that? And they were going, no, yeah, 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 sad. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so it was so funny. Of course, we'd start laughing and take the piss out of ourselves. So it was a wonderful sort of memory yeah, and, and, yeah. Yeah, and whatever. And um, it was good. And I just thought, you know, the whole thing, we went upstairs and we didn't leave the ground till about half ten. It yeah. was great, you know, and drinking and, uh, with the boys. And uh, it was the right way to leave the lane. Mm. Um, because you know we'd all walked through those gates so many times, and uh, and you know, and it was like second home, really. Yeah. It, was, it was, it was my home. I mean, I've lived in load, loads of houses, and you know, uh, some marriages and whatever, and uh, you know, but there was only that that always remained a home of mine. Yeah, uh, because it was, you know, it's because where I grew up, I grew up where what made me, what made me the man I am today, mm. and uh, and there'd be a lot of people to be responsible for that, people like Steve Perriman, you know. The various managers and coaches I had, and also the teammates I played with, you know, because we all took a bit off each other, and that's why today we're all so close. No one's close in the Spurs boys. We have a charity golf event. 12, 14 of us turn up. No mm. one turns up like we do. We turn up for everything. Mm. We're always together. We go away together. We eat together. Um, you know, it's, we're just always close. The, the, the piss taking doesn't stop. Um, we care about each other. They're my family. They're my family. They're not my top former teammates. And I don't know anyone. I've never known anyone longer than them. Mm. You know, I've known Mark Falco since I was 10. Mm. It's, nice. it's a miracle, you yeah. know. So uh, this is a, it's, it's a great club. It's come back, I think, to where it was, was uh, in a bigger way. Mm. Um, we've got a wonderful manager who gets on great with the chairman. They've got, they think the same way. Um, Daniel has done the most unbelievable job. You think about finances again. For the last five years, we've batted so much above our average. The clubs have got two, three, four times their income, and we've competed with those. You know, and it's been frustrating for the fans, it's frustrating for everybody, but we've done that. And next season, we move into the new stadium. We'll be on par with Arsenal as it with income, and and with a stadium and everything else to match that. And then we'll become one of the top ten clubs in the world next year. That's all you can ever be, by the way. That's all you ever want to be. And by the way, the top, the top four will never change, which is Real Madrid, United, Barcelona and Bayern Munich. You'll never break that four. That'll always be the biggest four clubs in the world because they're institutions. Mm. But, you know, all of a sudden then, you know, Juve and PSG because of their money, mm. and Man City because of their money, sorry, their ownership, not their money, their ownership, when you're owned by countries, 
by sovereign wealth. It's another it's it's ball game, yeah? And then we're with, we're with Arsenal, Liverpool and Chelsea. So it's, you know, it's funny, the t- top 10 teams in the world and there's six of them are English. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm. I think Stoke are 20th now, yeah? Mm. It's quite re- um, uh, unbelievable, really. But all I'm saying, for our club, which is all we care about, you know, we've got a training ground that's second to none. I mean, the... the the new lodge is nearly finished. Brazil will be the first uh, tenants in the, in, the, in the new lodge at the training ground. That's going to be their pre-World Cup base. What wow. a great advert for us, by the yeah. way. Some of the best players in the world looking around thinking, oh, this ain't bad, is it? Yeah. You know, and telling their mates, you know. And, you know, and, then, and then we go into the, one of the most modern, magnificent new stadiums is going to be. And uh, it's, it's really exciting, I think. You know, and I think 62,000 is right because you, we have got to try and get home, haven't we? And we've seen... Well, that'd be an interesting yeah. thing, getting on that. Uh, I mean, ain't a problem yeah. for me. I, we we, we yeah. go early and go, come, you know, come in early and go late. Ain't a problem yeah. for me. But I mean, what I'm saying is, I know a lot of the fans, it's not easy. Yeah. So, no, it's not easy. You know, the, the train's going to be made longer. To, the, you know, it's going to be Wire Lane Station. Uh, sorry, uh, Tottenham Hotspur Station. Mm. Um, they're going to do Northumberland Park. It's going to be a lot easier to get in and out. Well, so, I hope so. You know, but I mean, the main thing is, well, look what we've done to the area. It's Tottenham's become yeah. another Stratford. Yeah, mm. uh, probably even better. I mean, you know, property price is going to double in the next few years. Yeah. Government spending six billion on the area, mm. and but it needs it. If any area needs it, spending it that needs it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And uh, you know, it's a great thing a football club can do that. Mm. Only a football club can do mm. that. Actually. Mm. Yeah. Nothing else, and uh, that's why, you know, Daniel. You know, and forget about selling the club. I mean, we got Joe Lewis. He's got twenty-seven billion. Yeah. Daniel's a very, very wealthy man himself. They don't need the money. And also, if Daniel sold the club. What would he do? Where would he go to? So he's got 500 million. He's probably got hundreds of million there. What's he going to do in his life? Mm. He's a young man, Daniel. Mm. He, so you know, the club ain't for sale. I'm not saying he won't bring partners in later on with the NFL coming in, which is going to make us even more bigger and more powerful with more rich because the more money you've got, the, the better players you can have. Yeah. It's, no, it's that simple, isn't it? That's simple, yes. Mm. It's no different buying cars, is it? The more money you've got, the better car you get. Mm. So all I'm saying is that we're, we're moving into another, another world. Yeah. Uh, we already started that with Wembley. I mean... Real Madrid game, five and a half million gross. The biggest take any club has ever made in Great Britain in the game, the football match. Mm. Juve will be the similar next week, yeah? yeah. Five and a half million quid. Mm. One game, yeah? Mm. Most non-league teams don't even take that. Mm. Lower division clubs. They don't even earn that in a year. That's not yeah. their turnover. Yeah. So it just shows you where we've come and how far we've come. And I don't believe anyone's going to be leaving unless, they want, unless we want them to go. And I think they're thinking about Toby. Toby's got to get fit. Danny Rose has got to get fit. Mm. So that's not even an argument at the moment. Who's going to pay 50 million for those two if they, if they can't play at the moment? Mm. They can't run. I mean, neither of them have played for ages. Mm-hmm. When Yama showed that as well, look, he's, look how long it took him to get back in it. Yeah. You know, you have four months out. It's not easy nowadays. I mean, there's no reserve games either. You have no competitive games. Mm. And no matter what you do in training, you ain't like playing, playing first, match, first team matches. But mm. looks like everyone's nearly fit now. We've got a great uh, run of games coming up. Harry looks like he's going to smash Clive's record. I hope he does. We all well, hope he does. It's funny you mention that. There's, I mean, it's, if we don't progress in the FA Cup and Champions there's 12 games left. I think he's on 35. Some sort of 35 in total. Um, Clive's 49, wasn't it? 49, yeah. So he's got to get... Fifteen more goals and at least, probably, hopefully, forty. Well, basically, it, it, a goal it, it, a game. It, it could, but it could be more, couldn't it? I mean, yeah. we get through this. Yeah, this is yeah, it. Probably. I'm, I'm, I'm a Spurs fan. By the way, by the way, glass half empty. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You're, you're a supporter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying Juve's an easy game because it's not, and we all know that. And a team who's mm. been to the Champions League final twice in the last yeah. three years, yeah. a top side, and they could. So, no one be surprised they come and win. You yeah. know, because they're yeah. a good team. Uh, but what you know, you would hope we can get through there. We'd hope we get through the next two games. And by the way, I don't know what the score is, but Swansea, I really Sheffield fancy Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday at night. Yeah. I don't think Swansea. What, they don't need it. 
Swansea won it up. Are they? Right. Well, I'll tell you what, the chairman won't be happy because, well, they must have made 11 changes because their game's all about Saturday, isn't it? They're playing Southampton Saturday. They just want to stay up, Swansea. Mm. They yeah. can't win the cup, by the way. No. So, you know, Chris Hewitt says last week, got Man United away, could have done without that game. Yeah. All they, you know, yeah, all they want to do is stay up. Of yeah, course, it'll be yeah. a miracle if Chrissy keeps So you got to fancy us in the next round after Rochdale. Well, I would right? fancy either, yeah. either Swansea or Swansea. So I'm just saying, is you know, it's a great opportunity to go, you know, get to semi final where yeah. we're playing at home. Yeah, quite nice. Chelsea the semi final, wouldn't it? I, I don't know. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a knocker of Chelsea. Mm. I think they're a top side. I think they're a good side. I just think they don't like the manager. Mm. Didn't yeah. know what they did Mourinho two years ago. Yeah, um, so they always end up not liking the manager, though, don't they? Uh, it's a strange place, isn't it? It's a strange place. You know, they like they liked Angelotti. Mm. But why, was, did, why did they let him go then? I don't know. I'm not, I don't it's know. Weird. Who cares? It's weird. Yeah. Uh, Paul, cares? it's been it's been lovely to have you to, to 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 have a player that played so passionately week in week out, and as, as fans watching you, we all saw that. And it's lovely to meet someone who still cares so much about the club and is. Yeah. Now become a fan like like us us people here. It's been lovely having you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Paul Miller. Uh, we'll be back next week. Next week's show we've got Jeff Horton, Lucy Jones, and Paolo Hewitt. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for downloading us. Come on, you Spurs. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. The Spurs Show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. If you're a large organisation involved in managing, purchasing or making decisions on software licences, you need Livingston. Livingston provides the technology and a large team of experts to help you understand what software is installed on your network, who is using it and whether you purchase the right number of software licences to legally use it. This information can help you make smart business decisions when it comes to renegotiating software licensing agreements with large software publishers like Microsoft, Oracle, IBM and others and when budgeting for software spend. To reduce the cost and risk of managing your software licenses, speak to Livingston today about our managed services. Over 50 multinationals across the world trust Livingston to manage their software licenses. Visit livingston-tech.com for more information. What's your thoughts on Fulham? Chances are you don't think about them too much, but nice away day by the river, used to have a Michael Jackson statue, and once did quite well under Roy Hodgson. But that's probably about it, because chances are you're not a Fulham fan. However, if you do know someone that supports Fulham, maybe a mate or a colleague at work, please tell them about the Fulhamish podcast that I host every week looking at each Fulham game as it comes and goes, with a nice bit of quirkiness and humour along the way too. You can find Fulhamish at fulhamish.co.uk, and we're also available on all podcast platforms, including iTunes, Acast, and playbackmedia.co.uk. That's Fulhamish, your weekly independent Fulham FC podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.